0: I was kind of buying a little bit more into it, a little bit more into it. And by the time like one year had passed, I had made 3000% on my portfolio
1: is it there
0: yeah. um i just got back to mexico city at 7 a.m
1: oh my god 7 a.m <laughs> well thanks for coming <laughs> yeah. to this that's so early
0: that's okay i'm an early riser anyway so it's all good
1: okay perfect well i'm so excited thanks for agreeing to do this i'm like yeah i'm, pumped. So, yeah, I'm so pumped and i feel like i mean my <laughs> podcast i don't know if you've heard much about it but we talk all about like money mindset um, and just honestly, like, whatever it takes to, like, live that, like, freedom lifestyle. Oh, shit. Sorry. One second. <laughs> I got a new webcam, and it, like, hates me. Am I frozen? Is it
0: frozen for you? Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, um, yeah, Yeah, but it never works.
0: I've, uh, well, I just bought a new Mac, and it's garbage. I don't know. They just keep going downhill, but, um... But yeah, I've I've heard some clips from your podcast. I love what you're doing with it. And I think um a lot of people around our age need to to kind of hear more about it. So um happy to dive into to anything you guys wanna chat about today.
1: Okay, epic. I'm so excited you listened to it. Yeah, I feel like I really just wanna be kind of like obviously I talk about this word a lot which is like expander which essentially means like showing people kind of what is possible for their life and I think the more we share like your story and other people's stories that I love like interviewing it's just so fascinating because people like oh I didn't know that was possible I didn't know that was a career choice for me I didn't know that was like you know a possibility for me to do um yeah so yeah
0: I think that like, well, I mean, you and I grew up in the same town, right? Very, very small. And um, I, to even myself, like I didn't get a passport until I was like, 24, you know, like, um, I think it was 24, like grew up in a poor family, it was just never really an option. And then I think once you see that it's available to you, and you're like, Oh, wow, I I do deserve this, then it's just kind of like sky's the limit. Like, um, I'm going through it right now with my little brother, who's 19, and he doesn't have a passport. He's stuck in the same old town. And I'm, you know, I think like when things went into lockdown is when it really pushed me to kind of go out and explore, which is kind of the worst time. But, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, Tr- Toronto went into well, we had just I was in Montreal at the time and we spent like a whole year in lockdown. Like we couldn't even go to the coffee shop. There was a curfew. And then when things opened up, we were also excited. And, uh, you know, literally I, I had moved back to Toronto at that time because um, I was co running a couple of real estate brokerages there. And then we went into lockdown and then it was just kinda like, you know, the plan was um just, you know, Mexico for two, three weeks and then, you know, what happened.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. So now it's I'm going back to Colombia for the second time on Thursday. So I'm just kind of and I, I just got back too. Like uh, you and I were kind of chatting. I was back in Canada and I lasted three, four weeks, so um, round two I guess, but
1: Oh my gosh. I couldn't imagine going back to Canada. Like, I mean, at least it was summer, right? Well, I mean, you used to live in Montreal. That's like the worst winter, I think. But, um, yeah. So basically it like after the lockdown that you're like, I, can't, I don't want to be locked down anymore. Like I'm out of here.
0: Yeah. Pretty, well, pretty much. I mean, yeah, I think like I had worked, um, like I've worked remotely for like three years prior to the whole pandemic. So um, yeah, so it was just, I, I was used to kind of just working at home and stuff, but I don't know what it was about the pandemic that really pushed me kind of over the edge, like not in a bad way, like, um, but yeah, it was like October 2020, It's yeah, it's been a year. So, um, and I, we, like people were telling me the airport was closed, like airlines, you couldn't, they actually banned flights to Mexico. So it was funny. Um, I came with my dog and my brother, so I turned my dog into an ESA so he can fly in the cabin with me. Um, so we flew to Mexico on October 2020, and literally a couple of days later, they went into lockdown and they banned all flights from Canada to Mexico. So I was essentially stranded in Mexico, so I really didn't have a choice, but not that I was looking to go back, but it all kicked off then.
1: Wow. So it was it was just like a two-week vacation kind of thing, just to be like, okay, I've had it with Canada <laughs> like I always want to experience something new and then it, you kind of got were like, like well, I can't go home now.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was, it was my brother's idea. I was like, I'm going to go check out um, Colombia," just because I wanted to go there and it was open at the time. And so the plan was to go for two weeks to Mexico. Um, my brother wanted to go to Puerto Vallarta and just kind of sit on a beach for two weeks. And, but we landed in Mexico city and it just kind of took us both. And then, We ended up doing a month in Mexico City, two months, three months, and then we went to Puerto Vallarta, and then we kind of just really did a whole, like, we drove all across Mexico, like, all, like, from Tulum all the way to Puerto Vallarta, like, 22 hours, so we really went everywhere, and and, then my brother's here full-time now, and I guess I am, too, but, yeah.
1: Oh, wow, I didn't know your brother was down there, too. That's so exciting. So, could you ever imagine, like, going back to living a lifestyle previously, which is, staying in one place like having that one location are you like i'm converted forever now
0: yeah i think and it's funny because when i went back to toronto and montreal i i was giving it um like i wanted to give it a shot like so being away for a year i was kind of like okay i miss having a home base and um i had just bought a car back home so it was kind of like let me give this a shot let me see my whole thing is like I want to have i think like andrew henderson talks about it in nomad capitalist you have like the trifecta theory um where you live in three locations a year and that's kind of what i wanted to replicate in mexico being one of them and i think toronto in my head was going to be one of them um and then who knows where the third one's going to be but i think that's but yeah like that was my my process going back home and then when i went back home i was just like this is so boring like i just (laughs) not that and i i I love canada like it's beautiful but everybody's just stuck in their routine all they're talking about is covid and it's just like there's a certain level of gratitude that is non-existent in canada that is everywhere here in in latin america
1: and i just was like
0: okay like i think this was kind of my little push to go back to to latin america and just kind of you know the people just they live to to have a good life here and i think back in in canada they live to kind of succeed against their peers and it's and whatever works for you is fine. Um, but I just think, yeah, it it was the push that I, I don't think I would ever live in one spot again. I think everything is remote now. And I think that's kind of where things are going and it's possible. Like you can, you like, especially being Canadian, like you and I can go pretty much anywhere in the world for up to six months and not worry about visas. Right. And a lot of people don't think about that. And I've had people DM me on Instagram and stuff saying like, Hey, how do I go to Costa Rica for three months? I'm like, you can live in Costa Rica indefinitely. All you got to do is border hop when your tourist visa is up. You can open up a bank account in, in Costa Rica. Like I have a Mexican bank account. I got a Panama bank account in Canada. Like pe- you can do these things. People just don't think it's possible because not everybody's doing them yet, which I think is a trend we'll see kind of go on, you know. But, yeah, it's, 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 it's a snowball effect, I think, once you get started.
1: It's like an addiction, isn't it? And I love what you were saying about Canada – I heard this saying somewhere where it's like, and I really feel it, it's like every time I go home, where it's like, and not to put Canada in a box, but I think it's a lot of places where people tend to, there's less travel amongst the country, which Canada being one of those, you know, it's like people work to live, they don't live, no, 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 they, don't, they live to work, they don't work yeah. to live. Yeah. And I think yeah. I felt that first when I went to Australia, actually. People would, like, be, like, surfing at 10 a.m. And then they go into the office at, like, 10.30. Then they, like, take a big lunch break. And then even though they're working, like, 9 to 5. But their lifestyle was just yeah. so different to anything I'd ever seen. I'm like, whoa. And I remember my friend actually, like, came from corporate America to there. And she would be, like, eating at the desk. And I was like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> and she's like, well, like, <laughs> you know, we're supposed to, like, eat at the desk, you know? And like no, like, no, like, like take an hour break. She's like an hour. Like, I don't even – I. I've never even had a lunch break, you know, and it's just such a it switches your mindset to be like, oh, I didn't even know this lifestyle was possible, and there probably everyone in Mexico is like, what the like, why are you working on like at like eight p.m. Everyone's like, we're like, we're done.
0: Oh my my god, it's it's like uh, so I'm typically, and this is the one thing that I I love to wake up with the sun. So the one thing about Mexico that I do that I don't like is it's 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 you know, 7.15, the sun, it's still pitch black. Like it's, it comes up around eight, but I think, yeah, like I, when I was working, so I worked in real estate for years and years and years. And then when I, I worked in private equity at an investment firm and we were mandatory to work nine to six, like not like one minute late, like you get written up and then you have one hour for lunch and if you're late, you get written up. And then every Tuesday and opposite Thursdays, we had to work nine until 10 at night. Like, unhealthy like that's uh, anyway so i I started to and right when i was working there is when i launched my first company and i left that company but when i was towards the end of my employment there i started to actually calculate the hours that i was working per day and it was like i was in the office for what like eight nine hours a day and then i was actually only working three to four hours so i was kind of looked at myself what am i doing with this time that's so unproductive and it's like talking with colleagues being on facebook scrolling you know, I remember it was like almost a competition who could buy the most things on Amazon because that's how we spent our days. So it was, so when I quit that and I started working for myself, I realized that a three to four hour workday was totally, you know, it was doable and you could actually make more money doing that as long as you're more productive within those hours. And then I started saying, I'm taking a a minimum two hour lunch every day. And that's like my time. I'm going to go have a nice coffee, a nice lunch, maybe meet a friend and then come back to work. So I kind of clocked my productive hours around 6 a.m. to like 10.30, 11. And then I wouldn't get back to work until 2.30, 3 o'clock. And I'd work till about 5, 6. And then obviously you're always on emails. But And then that's kind of – when I came to Mexico, it's like nobody even wakes up until like 9. So uh, it's a little frustrating because I'm a morning person and nobody really is up. But I, I, I like it that way, I think. But yeah, answer my emails and my phone calls, please. But it's yeah. it is what it
1: is no and that was actually something that i had to learn when i was like starting in my like working for myself as well where i was like okay and i talked to a lot of my clients around this as well it's like we tell ourselves okay we have to start work at nine and then end work at five it's like actually you can do whatever the fuck you want like a lot of my clients are actually more productive during the nighttime, and it's like who yeah. who made up this rule where everyone, you know, you being a real estate broker, um, someone being a lawyer, a doctor, like all these people all work nine to five. Like it doesn't make any sense. Who made that? Because yeah, people need different hours to get different things done. And I mean, if you only get your things done in three hours, you should be able to have that time to do what you want. Like that whole paradigm is just so actually funny to me,
0: because it's old school logically it doesn't it's make outdated. any sense, yeah, yeah, and I think you know I was actually having this conversation the other day, like I did terrible in school and it, and I think that's where it really stems from. I think that's where it's kind of programmed into our brains is is you go study to 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 kind of qualify against the next person to work a job for somebody, so you stand out and and I think when you kind of leave that environment and you start working for yourself or you take that you know, the scary first step of starting your own business, you feel guilty when you're not working those hours that have been programmed into you. So like, now that I'm kind of traveling around, I've got to keep up with time zones, as I'm sure you're aware of, because you're so far ahead of everybody else. But, and now it's like, oh, like, I should be working, it's three o'clock, and we need to get rid of that mentality. Because if you're covered for the day, you know, Yes, you could always be doing something more productive to prepare for the next day. But like we need to get rid of that guilt that we should always be working or on emails. And I think, you know, I'm getting better with that now. But like it used to be terrible. But like, yeah, for sure. We all got our own like I'm I I love my mornings to work. And then I like to have, you know, a couple hours during the day where I'm just kind of free. And then there's nothing wrong with that. I'm totally cool with that now. But it took years to like unprogram. I don't know what the word is, but like deprogram that from my brain, you know.
1: Yeah, totally. And you say you make a really good point about the guilt. I think Mm -hmm. a lot of us has also been programmed from like the Great Depression era, from our parents getting passed down, passed down, where it's like, you have to work very hard to make money. And it's like, a lot of us have this thing where it's like, okay, if you're not like suffering, (laughs) then you don't deserve the money that's going to come to you. I know that's actually something I've had to really work on lately, which is like, okay, actually, money can come very easily. You can actually work two to three hours and like I mean there's always that rule where it's like 80% you like you do 100% of things and only 20% makes up of the things that actually push the needle forward and make you money right so just getting rid of that by like outsourcing or like trusting a team to take it over where it's like okay you can actually be very productive in two to three hours and get everything you need to done and can just enjoy your day. I actually remember when I was in California once, I met this guy and he was very successful Successful, and he owned this like printing company and he woke up every day at 5am and then worked till one and then enjoyed the rest of the day. And I was like, yeah. what the fuck? That's a thing? I was like, that is goals. Like, I love that from him. And I was like, that is so cool. Like, I don't know. I just didn't really know that was a thing yet. And so since meeting him it's just different right now because of time zones like I'm kind of I have to adjust my times because of the time zone um and when I can work but that being said it's like truly I want everyone to listen to this and be like okay there's actually no one like when you start with your own business like make your own hours because that's why you're doing this essentially you know
0: a hundred percent yeah and it's I think it's you know if you look at our parents and our grandparents that's kind of when it was instilled it's like you got to work hard and what they translate working hard into. And I think it's because, you know, they didn't have access to information through the internet and all these things. And, but anyways, I think, you know, there's a correlation between working hard and working long. So I think, you know, you clock in and you work long, which means you're working hard. And that's just not the case anymore. Like I can shuffle through more information now within an hour than, you know, my father could have in in a week. So, and I think we're loosening that, the basis of working hard to actually, to me, working hard is production levels and it's like, it's got nothing to do with time anymore. It's just, what did I put out this week? Like I focus on what I'm good at and I absolutely outsource everything else. I don't even try to get good at the stuff that I absolutely suck at. So it's just, I'll focus on everything that I'm good at and then I'll hire somebody else to absolutely just dominate what I suck at. And I'm cool with that. Like, but I think, you know, it's, it's, it's a totally old school way of thinking. And I honestly I think we're the last generation to really experience this but like my little brother is just like hey if I can't make $10,000 in bitcoin then I'm not getting out of bed or I'm reading um you know these little <laughs> 12-year-olds that are making a, a a quarter million dollars selling NFTs so but yeah I think I think we're we're in the process of getting rid of that that stigma of working hard equals working long so um hopefully the next generation kind of steers clear of
1: that Totally. Actually, me and my friend were just talking about this, because it's like, you don't get any bonus points for doing it all yourself. Like, at the end of the day, you're being like, here you go, here you go, here's a sticker, you know, congratulations, here's the marching band, like, no one's doing that, you're just more, you know, it actually, we talk about, like, zone of genius, so you're very clearly very good at just staying in your zone of genius and knowing if it's not your zone of genius it's okay to outsource it no one it doesn't yeah. make you look weak or nothing no one's gonna be like oh you outsource that like no one gives a shit so it's like by just <laughs> focusing on what you're good at that's actually the best thing you can do for yourself for your business it'll put it will get you to the goal quicker etc but you brought up yeah, um, bitcoin and that's why we're here i'm so excited to talk to you about this So I started dabbling in investing. I know, I don't really know anything. (laughs) I'm just like, I hear about it. I, I believe in it and I'm excited for the future of it. And I'm, that's why I'm really excited to have you on here today as someone who works in the field, someone, and we got so, I put it on my Instagram. Everyone's like, Oh my God, I can't wait. (laughs) So everyone has really good (laughs) questions. So for someone who knows like nothing about blockchain, Bitcoin, NFTs, like how would you describe this, like this industry?
0: Well, it's a good question. It, it can get very, very complex, but in a, in the simplest form, think of, um, th- I don't know, it's the internet 3.0. So think about if you want to go to a website, let's say, and I'll just keep examples very, very plain. So if you go to a website, picture it as, a linear path to get to that destination. It's through a server, you click, you're good. It's one path. And that's very easily manipulated. Um, and but you got to think about what comes along with that. Like think about all of the in the corporate world, think about how many transactions are done through that linear path. Think about how many contracts are executed through that linear path. And I'm not just talking about a website, I'm talking about storing documents and online too. So the blockchain essentially, think of it as decentralized, so there's not one government body or one sort of person overlooking any of this. It's decentralized, meaning it's peer-to-peer. So if you instead of that clear path, now you've got this vault in the middle and, it, every, and it, you have to have an executed um, line of direction before you can go to that path. So you can't break that path. Every part of that vault needs to be executed perfectly for you to get to your destination. I know it sounds a little confusing, but it's essentially very hard to, to hack. And now, if you start thinking about um, in the corporate world or transactions, there's the blockchain. Essentially, you can't alter your contracts. There's no there's no way to hack it really. And um, there's there's cryptos out there like uh, Solana who who are now like you look at Visa that can execute 4,000 transactions a second. Whereas new crypto blockchain companies are now building blockchains on top of blockchains and they're being executed at a rate that we can't even fathom because it's decentralized. There's no one path. So now we're doing 86,000 transactions per second. And if you think about that in the banking industry, it's just like, it's, 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 it's changing really the, the industry, but blockchain is a whole new beast. I think everything is going to be on blockchain. It just makes the like your, everything will be on blockchain. Like a, any sort of business will be on blockchain. It's just, it's the foundation that the internet will now be built on. Um, and it'll be essentially, and it's, it's completely transparent. So you can see who's trying to access what, and it's written down in a ledger and it's totally decentralized. So I don't know how to make it any more clearer than that. Um, there are obviously complexities to it, but it's just think of it as a new foundation of how we access information and how we get certain places online. And I think a big part of it is to, if we want to get into NFTs, um, a lot of people need to remove the idea of physical assets so we can get into that later too but blockchain is it's been around for a while but i I think bitcoin really put it on the map because i mean if you want to talk about bitcoin as a currency now it's like you can't alter that you can't deflate it. It, it it's worth what you think it's worth and i think that's the beauty in it and you're not printing more of it like there's only x amount of bitcoin in circulation right now Whereas if you look at what we printed last year for you know, both US dollars, and I'm not sure what Canadian dollars was, but they're pretty much 26 or 27 percent of all dollars in circulation were printed last year. So like what does that do to the economy? What does that do to inflation? We're essentially just driving the value of the dollar into the ground because there's more bills around. It's worth less. Um, so if you look at cryptocurrencies where you can't make more of them, there's only X amount in circulation, they become more valuable. Will Bitcoin be the store of value that gold once was? I'm not sure. It's that um, ideology of getting physical assets out of our mentality and putting digital assets in there. So I'm not sure where where Bitcoin will be, but it's certainly paving the way for where we're going to go. We saw it in El Salvador, even though it was was a shit show. Um, Everybody basically sold their Bitcoins. They didn't know what the fuck it was, but it's the starting point, right? So I think... um, in the simplest form, that's how I would ex- explain it, and I know there's going to be a bunch of nerds on here that told me I didn't explain it right, but that's <laughs> how I would explain it. Yeah,
1: I think that you explained it perfectly, and that actually leads me into another question. What actually goes back before this? Like, what made you get into this industry and like doing this as your profession?
0: Yeah, I, I I just fell into it. I mean, I was so I launched my real estate company in 2017 raised a bunch of capital from investors and then we went out and bought properties. But about a year later in 20, I guess it was two years later in 2019, I just bought some Bitcoin for myself and um, I bought and sold it within the first year. But then I bought a couple other cryptos called Binance coin because Binance was like the new exchange platform and they came out with their own cryptocurrency. So I was like, Oh, this is interesting. Like who's going to be trading on the largest, exchange right everybody so i bought some finance coin i bought some bitcoin i bought some ethereum and i bought some cordana and i just let it sit there for a couple months while i was doing my, my real estate thing um and then i was kind of watching it and it went up and it went up and then i was kind of buying a little bit more into it a little bit more into it and by the time like one year had passed i had made 3000 percent on my portfolio and i was just like I can never make three thousand percent real estate in one year, so I was like, I guess I got lucky with the bull run coming up, and I was kind of trading the right the right cryptos into other ones. But and then I it got to a point where I just kept trading, um, and I kept doing research. I'm part of a lot of Discord groups now, um, and I was just like, I'm making more in crypto than I am in my my day job, and I'm literally just trading and taking my profits and. I just was like, and then it just kind of dawned on me, like, how can I help businesses use Bitcoin? Like, I bought this watch with Bitcoin through BitPay. Like, a lot of companies are adopting these new um, third-party applications where you can use your Bitcoin wallet to purchase things. So, yeah, and then I was just like, you know what, I'm just going to do a launch. And so I do two things now, which I run a crypto fund where I help accredited investors invest in crypto and we manage it. Um, and I also have like this advisory arm where I help companies adopt Bitcoin and create a wallet and use companies like BitKit, BitPay so they can accept payments for goods and services. So I just kind of fell into it. And I just felt like the timing was right. Like um, I'm still in real estate, like myself personally, but um, like I still, yeah. And I, I don't know. It was, just, I just kind of literally fell into it. And I said, um, if like, I feel like this is where I feel like we're literally, in a transformational time right now where not only are we going completely digital, but we're also seeing this transformation of wealth. That's probably once in a generation, I want to say. Um, and I just got super, super pumped to kind of get in on it. Like, and we like the fund has done like over 1200% again this year. So it's just kind of being on top of what's coming and then I can be first in whenever something next happens. So I fell into it, like honestly, but, um, it's been a whirlwind for sure
1: wow that is so interesting i my eye no one can see me actually i'm gonna hit record on this because <laughs> i forgot to do that um no one can see my face but now they can which is i have my jaw dropped like three thousand percent i just what <laughs> um yeah it, so was, it was insane it was, was kind of crazy so it was um,
0: less than a year It was like 10 months and yeah continue
1: just taking a quick break from this episode to ask you do you want the chance to win $333 if so listen up we are hosting round two of the manifestation challenge and I'm so excited it's starting October 5th to 7th where yes you have the chance to win $333 but you also get the opportunity to learn how to up-level every aspect of your life. How to manifest more love, how to manifest more money, how to manifest feeling positive, energetic, and happy every single freaking day. Because the energy that you are is the energy that you attract. And so through these three days, I'm going to teach you exactly how to take control of your energy, how to up-level every single area of your life, and you get to meet Soul friends in the challenge, be surrounded by high vibe, positive vibes, and honestly just learn the tools and methods that I've used to manifest the love of my life, to manifest more financial success success that I ever thought was possible for me, and help my clients do the exact exact same. So I'm so excited. It's gonna be running October 5th to 7th, and I would love to see you there. This link to join is in the comments below. And I can't wait. All right, back to the episode. Wow, wow. So if someone's listening and they're like, okay, we get it. I've been hearing about crypto. <laughs> I, I'm i hearing your story right now. I want to get in. But maybe they're not educated or they don't know too much about it. They're just hearing the hype about it. What advice would you give someone who like doesn't know anything about crypto? Slash, if you were starting over right now and you didn't know anything, what would your... Some advice you would be to this person?
0: Um, it's a good question. I feel like a lot of people are really interested in the space right now. I've helped probably four or five of my friends kind of set up um, and get invested, including my little brother, which is great. But I would say there's a there's a website called CoinMarketCap.com, and you can see the top 100 or 200 cryptos um, by market cap and Those are kind of the top cryptos that I would look at. But if you're just getting involved in the space, there's a lot of regulatory issues that are going on right now. Um, Like if you live in Canada, Binance is now banned. Um, So you got to use a company called Coinbase or you can use Kraken. Um, If you live in London or the UK, Binance is also banned. It's banned in the States as well. Um, So that you got to find a good exchange dependent on where you live. Um, A lot of companies will allow you to purchase crypto directly with a debit or credit card, which is great. That's how my little brother got started. And then once you have um, your your setup on an exchange, create a wallet. I would create a separate wallet off the exchange, which just means if you Google like um, crypto wallets, there's a bunch that can come up and um, like MetaMask is a good one. And it kind of links with your, your Chrome browser. But uh, So create an account on exchange, create a wallet, and then literally go through CoinMarketCap and kind of research each project because I, I don't think A lot of people, and I mean, you can do this from a technical analysis standpoint where you're just trading cryptos based on what they're showing you in the charts. Um, But I believe in both doing that and, you know, investing in the fundamentals of whatever company or whatever blockchain project that you're investing in. So my top picks right now are Solana, which is SOL. And then uh, they've already had a huge run up. Quant is going to have another one. Um, We're really looking at Polkadot right now, which is DOT. Um, they're releasing their pair chains at the end of this year. So anybody that's got some money, I would put it with dot right now because I'm expecting a big run up later this year. And what else? Um, yeah. There's a lot of other like Cordana, I think is, is some, is a, is a crypto everybody's watching, but they're kind of, you know, they've been promising a project for for a long time and they haven't really delivered. So we'll see what happens there. But those are the picks that I would do. And then literally if you can, dollar cost average into them which means every time they dip a little bit you put x amount of your 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 salary into crypto and just literally forget about it like if you're not trading it just forget about it um like we have price targets on solana dot um cordana ethereum bitcoin that are all like phenomenally more than what they are right now so if you just invest and keep investing and forget about it in two years you'll be probably very well off so that's that's the advice i would give and don't believe all the the headlines that you read like a lot of people it's very manipulative like a lot of banks will manipulate the market so Mm. um if you see a monster dip like we saw the other day don't worry about it literally just buy more on the dip and like i think we're gonna we're heading into another dip right now so i've now cashed out everything and i'm waiting to rebuy on the dip so yeah it's it's it, the thing with it is it's always changing, and it can be exhausting to keep up with it. So um, that's why like don't invest what you can afford to lose, and literally just forget about it. And, and if you really really like it, stay on top of it. You know, um, set a Google alert for your favorite cryptos, and every time something comes up, you can read about it. Um, but it is it's fun. Like a, a lot of my clients are emailing me, you know, with, with predictions on what's going to happen, and nobody knows what's going to happen. It's it's a shit show. Um, the best you can do is is kind of go off previous patterns, but yeah, and uh, like my little brother's almost doubled his money, and he invested like two weeks ago. So it's it's kind of crazy if you can time it right.
1: Wow, I'm like writing down everything so quickly. I'm like, okay, I need to listen to this over. Um, yeah, it's this a, is a lot. Random question, but have you heard of MoonPay?
0: I have heard of it. I haven't looked too much into it. Why? okay
1: just it's no no big deal at all just one of my friends works there she was like one of the first she started working there last year and she was one of 26 employees and now they're at like 180 and it's just like yeah. so crazy to watch their growth and for everyone listening um moon pay is like kind of like the stripe of crypto i think is the way she would describe it um so anyways i was like oh i want to be part of MoonPay." pay <laughs> like the only thing yeah it's learn.
0: it's very <laughs> it, no it's good and honestly i think companies like those are going to see a, an enormous growth period because they're the same as BitPay, like the company that i was telling you about that i bought my watch with like it's like visa checkout it's like you know and you can link your bitcoin mm-hmm. wallet or your crypto wallet and literally pay with it like no banks like it's just I think we'll see a huge rise with that. And you know how many people are like they invested and they forgot about it. And now they're sitting on, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars and they just want to use crypto to pay with things that they don't want to cash out. Cause now people are like, well, shit. Well, like, how do I pay tax on this? Like this is, it's not considered an asset in Canada or the States, you know? And so I think, you know, that's kind of why, there's a lot of complications and even the authorities are just like, we have fucking no idea what to do with this, <laughs> you know, because yes. is it a financial derivative? Like, is it a, like is a future a derivative if you're doing Bitcoin technically? But like, you know, so I think that's why the SEC and everybody in the OSC in Canada, they're just coming down on exchanges because they have absolutely no fucking idea how to handle this monster of a of an industry. So,
1: So why was Binance banned?
0: They banned, so you can, you can buy and yeah, it's, you can buy cryptos on Binance, but they have something called futures contracts, which is derivatives payments, which is basically you lock in a price, like you do it with oil and other commodities. And that's, this is another, if we want to get technical, like I think crypto is a commodity right now, but once you start betting against the future price of an asset, like you, they do it with oil or like even foreign exchange. Um, you know, if you do a lot of business internationally, you want to lock in that exchange rate if you think that it's going to go against you in the future. So you want to get the best deal. So they do that with oil as well. Like companies that need oil, the lock in oil prices, say it's $40 a barrel. And, you know, in six months, it's $60 a barrel, but you're still getting it for 40. So you can do the same thing with cryptocurrencies. And we were doing a ton of it. Um, And what, but what's scary is it's not regulated. Um, So typically you need to be an accredited investor to do this, but because it's not regulated, you can, you lose all your money and there's nobody to complain about. Like, so, anyways, when you lock in these contracts, you can actually leverage the amount of capital you have up to like a hundred times. So, if you have a thousand dollars, you can, like, the rate that you can make and lose money in a futures contract is scary. So, that's why they banned Binance because they were the largest derivatives or futures kind of platform for the general public. But I honestly think it's because the banking system, this is stuff that they offer their top clients, like their wealthiest clients, and now companies like Binance are offering it to the general public. So that's why I think like this whole transformation of wealth thing is happening. And I don't think the banks necessarily like it, but that's, they're saying like it needs to be regulated because it's a financial asset. So that's kind of where things are at right now it's just the futures and the derivative uh trading it's not just you can buy it and stuff but you can't i mean they actually banned withdrawals for like two weeks but they're back again so that's why because a lot of people it's just unregulated and i guess they want to cover their ass in case there's a lawsuit or something i don't know but
1: mm-hmm. you know okay that makes sense okay that's actually really interesting so people probably made a lot of money from that and then lost a shitload of money <laughs>
0: yeah i want to say more people lost than made but yeah you can lock in like quarterly contracts and those people probably did well but you know when it, when we see the market drop like it did the other day you just get liquidated your account goes to zero and it's scary and a lot of people like literally lose their savings so I, I see good and bad with it i mean we want a free market right we want a decentralized market and that that means nobody gets in the middle of it so and it's funny when it drops a lot of people are like hey can we pause trading like i'm losing a lot of money and it's like the stock market would just halt trading but like crypto no you're just gonna it's gonna do what it wants to do
1: oh really okay that's so interesting so i know we touched (laughs) on this a bit like you kind of like you know insinuate to it but what do you think the future of crypto is
0: like cryptocurrencies or like blockchain projects because you know a lot of people combine crypto into this whole digital asset but Um, honestly, I, I, well, I don't know. I just, you know, you put two and two together, you know, like we were saying earlier, we've printed more money than we ever have in the last year in the U S and Canada. And that does nothing but deflate the dollar. So I think we are headed towards a digital currency. Um, I've heard rumors of, you know, the feds creating their own digital currency. I heard rumors of Florida, the governor of Florida was creating his own digital currency, whether that's crypto or not, I'm not sure. Um, (laughs) So I think we're headed in the right direction. I think, and I think, and it's just from a standpoint where it's immensely easy to transact with it. With a, like, I, it's the only currency where I can literally cross the border with ten million dollars and not have to declare it or pay any tax on it or anything, you know, because it's in my wallet. Um, but once that changes, like what we saw in El Salvador, and they make it, they made it legal tender. They gave thirty dollars worth of Bitcoin to everybody. You do that to a third world country, they're going to say, just give me the thirty dollars instead of thirty dollars worth of Bitcoin. And they didn't properly instruct the business owners how to accept this, so they ended up having a protest, and everybody sold their Bitcoin. It was an entire shit show. So I think, I think we're going to see everybody adopt Bitcoin. I think whether it's Bitcoin or another crypto, I, I don't know, but it'll be there will be cryptocurrencies available, and it just it's a faster transaction period. It's cheaper, um, and it's you know how annoying is it to you know if I pay for something on my credit card here in Mexico, I get a two and a half percent you know, transaction fee just because you need to cover the exchange rate with Bitcoin or some sort of cryptocurrency. If you have one currency globally, there's it'll it, it eliminates a lot of problems. Um, so on the on the cryptocurrency side of things, I, I, I do think it's something that's here to stay. I don't think it's gonna be some sort of fad. I know a lot of people think it's some sort of Ponzi scheme, but the way that it works, I think it's it's here to stay. And then blockchain even more so I think blockchain and NFTs, um, those are, are really here to stay i think because it's just changing the way that the internet works and it's changing the way that data is stored and shared and all of that but yeah we're definitely early and i think both are are here to stay for for long term
1: fascinating so you mentioned nft (laughs) so what is an nft
0: i just bought my first six nfts last week um so nfts yeah they went to shit but you know it's a gamble but um, I, NFTs are non-fungible tokens, and they're largely associated with the art scene. Um, so just like how I was telling you about how the blockchain works to access information or websites or whatever, um, you have like this little vault or whatever. It's decentralized. It's basically unhackable, but it's transparent. So think about and NFTs. And honestly, like I, I understand it, and I understand the the value in it. But when you see like the board eight collection that I shared on Instagram sold for twenty four million dollars at Sotheby's, it's just like what? Yeah. Like,
1: how I don't are get these? It. Like,
0: it's art, really. But like, so the value, and everybody will tell you, the value is in the digital construction of these assets because you own it. It's a one of one, a non fungible token means it's not transferable. You can't give it to anybody. You can't unless you sell the ownership. So essentially, it's a pathway to this one of a kind piece of whatever and it doesn't have to be art like it can be like if you look at Tory Lanes I think it's Tory Lanes he released his album as an NFT and it was fucking brilliant like but it was so once once you sell it as an NFT now your fans not only bought your album as an NFT but now they own the exclusive rights to one of those copies and they can now sell it for even more money whatever it's worth like it's an open market i just think it's fucking brilliant like i don't know whether he made more money or not but um it does so anyway it doesn't just have to it, it could be you know it could be a song it can be uh this keyboard it could be anything and there's i just saw a fucking meme the other day it wasn't even a meme somebody made their own nft like a little kid wrote test and it sold for two hundred thousand dollars like i just think people are fucking mental right now but um i see the value in it i just don't know if that value is going to stay um but no. the technology behind it will be what's going to be adoptable or adoptable to, to, to basically everybody. But I think we're in this huge NFT nut phase right now. And uh, I'm trying to capitalize on it. Because I, I just tried to... So the same guys that made the Board 8 collection, the ones that sold for 24 mil at Sotheby's, they just launched a new collection yesterday that I was waiting for. And it was like only 8,000 made. So I was like at my computer and I was just like, okay, I'm ready to buy. And it sold out like literally like 0.1 of a second. I didn't even get a shot. But they're now selling for the floor price, um, I think what it was like four ETH, which is twelve thousand dollars US. Is that right? Yeah, there's more, like fifteen thousand, because ETH at like thirty five. So they're now selling for like twelve to fifteen thousand dollars, and they cost three hundred dollars to, to to mint, which means you reserve a spot to get an original. Um, so it's just but it's just bananas. So we'll see where that goes. Um, but yeah, it's it's fascinating and very confusing for a lot of people. You're just yeah. like.
1: I'm just like, That's what's the, the point? <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> you yeah. like look on your phone and like look at these digital arts and be like, woo, show your friends!" And then like, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't see it. Like, you want see the this? value like comes from?
0: I. These are the. And the funny thing is, like, when I minted these NFTs, which means I got a spot to create them, which there was only eight thousand made, which I was lucky, sure. But I didn't get to see what they were. So, like, if you look at these little. Fucking things i'm like you're telling me that i spent 300 on this nft <laughs> so it's a gamble right like who knows i mean it's all about who who makes them like ethereum was behind this these guys so that's a big company so i was like whatever we'll try it but yeah it's just wild like i understand it from an art an art perspective like you know you want to you want a rare painting you're going to pay top dollar for it because there's one of one and now there's one of one digital and you own that digital asset outright. And nobody else can take that from you, which almost is the same in the physical world, but I guess the technology or whatever that it, like gives you that authority or whatever. I understand that. I just don't know if we're overvaluing it at this point because mm. it's so crazy. Like even when I was getting ready to buy those, I was like, fuck, should I increase my budget? Should I increase my budget? I want six of them. I want nine of them. Like there's this, this hit of like adrenaline or dopamine. I don't know. But, um, I don't know if it'll last. It's just a shit show right now. I do think the technology will last. I just don't think we're going to be paying 24 mil for some fucking NFTs in the future.
1: No, it's to me. I can't get my (laughs) head around that, but I think it's cool. Like my friend actually was making some and he made like $10,000 a week, which is more than he made probably all last year, you know? So it's it's interesting and it's, it's exciting, but to me, I'm like, it just blows my mind on what's happening right yeah. now it's just it's yeah. like yeah i
0: mean you have the same thought process as my brother like my brother's watching me kind of buy nfts an and show him what they look like and he's just like what the hell is going on but i <laughs> think ugly. there's a They're tremendous all opportunity. Ugly. <laughs> yeah yeah some of them are cool but like most of them i'm just like is this what we're paying for like um anyways but it's like um yeah, I, I think there's a tremendous opportunity for artists. Like, there's a lot of artists that have taken mm. their, their their artwork online and created NFTs, and it just becomes like this non hassle way of giving ownership of your work to somebody else. And they're just killing it because, yeah, I don't know. So I think there's a lot of opportunity for you know struggling artists to to literally jump into the landscape and make some money. And I think we're gonna start seeing video and digital NFTs where, like, my brother knows a, a friend of his that she has like a virtual art gallery where you can like dive into this virtual world and then roam the art gallery and look at the paintings on the wall in the art gallery so but that's where we're going that's that's nuts um and I hear a lot of people talk about digital real estate that I should you know get out of physical real estate and get into digital real estate like Amazon retail stores and then I I don't know like where are we going I just want to make sure that we're we're ahead of not ahead but we're there when whenever you know something new comes but I just think like the rate that we're accelerating, it's just, um, it's not, you can't even fathom that. It. It's insane.
1: Yeah, it's really, really exciting. Um, okay, so I'm going <laughs> to pivot here for a sec, which is how yeah. we actually got connected. So for those of you who are listening, Eric and I actually went to high school together like 100 years ago. Well, no, not actually, but yeah. feels like 100 years ago. Feels like it. And I post all my stories because I have obviously not lived in Canada for almost two years now. And I still pay Canadian taxes. And it was just one of those things that dawned on me. And I was like, when I got my tax bill this year, I was like, <coughs> and I was like, uh, yeah. it just doesn't seem, doesn't seem right that I'm paying taxes to a place I didn't live. I don't live, you know, and I don't plan on living again. And so I right. was doing some research about what it would look like to live tax free. And, you know, you hear about it. I have a few friends who like older family, friends who, you know, live in, like, the Bahamas and Barbados, um, but I was, like, really interested in, like, I mean, I'm still very interested, I'm still on the journey, but becoming tax-free, and so I posted about it, and you so gracefully was, like, here so much information, and so that's why I was, like, we need to get you on the podcast, but then you we, I know we need to talk about crypto stuff, too, which was so exciting, so what yeah, inspired yeah. you, like, what was your first thing? you know, for me, it was when I got my tax bill, maybe it was for you the same. But what was that thing of like, there's an Mm -hmm. other option. And I feel like it's one that not many people even talk about or consider doing, which is going tax free.
0: Yeah, I I think it's I think it's both I I, honestly, it's like, it sounds a little pessimistic, but I, I honestly think that it's kind of instilled that paying taxes is normal and if you live in a country like canada and it is normal don't get me wrong but when you live in a country like canada i was experiencing you know 42 to 50 percent tax on my paychecks because i was working in a, an investment company that was highly commissioned and the, every time that they taxed me they, the way that they would calculate it and then at the end of the year i you know i would owe more and it was just like so i was paying half of my money um to to Canada. And, and that was fine. Until I started traveling, then I was still paying, you know, when I started my company, things were, were a little bit different, because I had to set that money aside for taxes. And that's when it was like, okay, you see the numbers, like, when it gets taken out of your paycheck, you're like, Oh, shit, okay, fine. Like, I, mm-hmm. I, I didn't even have that money anyways, it doesn't feel like yours. But when you have it in your account, and you're like, I can't touch this. And this goes to a country that I'm not living in. Um, or if you look at the political landscape right now, maybe you don't like how things are going. And you want to, you know, take your money out of there. So, um, my first, my first thing was I, I, I did it right away. Like I, I was pretty quick on it. Um, I'm still in the process of not paying tax because you have to like become a non-tax resident of Canada. You can still keep your passport. Um, but you have to eliminate basically all assets in Canada. So I, uh, registered a company in Panama, um, had some accounts, bank accounts set up in Panama and then, um, and then had an account in Mexico just for ease of transactions. Um, but the whole theory, I dove into it for for months. My brother and I both did. And you can literally live tax free if you do enough research. So if you go, if you so like Saint Kitts, if you put in, if you invest in Saint Kitts, I don't know what the number is, but there's a threshold where if you put X amount of dollars in the Saint Kitts, you get uh, a residency, and it's a tax free jurisdiction, which means that you don't have to pay income tax in St. Kitts. Now, if you create a company in Panama, Panama has a 0% corporate tax structure if, you're, if your revenue is generated outside of Panama. So now if you're St. Kitts and you're a Panama company and your clients are in the U.S., you're essentially tax-free. Um, and it could be kind of any sort of circumstance. I looked everywhere. I looked at St. Lucia. I looked at the BVI, which is you know infamous for a lot of offshore funds that go there. Um, Panama was big because they're now talking about, you know, legalizing crypto and Bitcoin. So obviously that was of interest to me. Um, if you look at Paraguay and Uruguay, those are great options as well. Um, Colombia not so much. Uh, Mexico actually not great because. So what? So what I don't like, and this is actually what pushed me over the, the Canada border, is Canada has a worldwide residency tax. So mm-hmm. as long as you're a resident and you live somewhere else, you're paying income on every asset or every revenue stream that you have that's outside of Canada.
1: Mm-hmm. So I was
0: like, fuck that, you know, because <laughs> if I want to buy real estate in Mexico or Tulum or if I want to you know, build a house or something and I have revenue coming in, there's no way that I want that added to my tax bill. Like I'm living in a tax free jurisdiction. Why am I paying Canadian taxes on this revenue? So that was my push over the edge. Um, the U.S. is worse. So, if you're a citizen of the US, you, you pay worldwide income tax and you can't get rid of it unless you actually relinquish your citizenship. So, they just fuck you real hard. Um, and then Mexico is also a worldwide residency tax system, I believe, similar to Canada. So, I just started diving into it. You and I talked about a couple places over in, in like Dubai or wherever, you know. But mm-hmm. um, London, UK is good for foreign companies. So, you can register a company if you don't live there in london or the or the uk as a whole and as long as your income is generated outside of london they have like a tax-free system where you can kind of just move money it's like the same with the states if you create an llc in the us it allows you to flow capital through that corporation as long as it's going somewhere else so um delaware is a good option too for for privacy and, and tax purposes but it's just like this whole other world right like you can literally get lost into it for for days and, and come out the other side and be like okay where do I start because there's so much information
1: oh my gosh um I spent a whole weekend <laughs> <laughs> it was like um nomad tax capital that guy I watched like all of his videos and yeah. like but I, I feel like I came out of it and I was still kind of confused <laughs> so I'm still yeah. in the process like um of like because the way you describe it you know and for everyone listening, it's like, it's not like one approach fits all. It's not like, okay, you're going to sign up no. a bank here and here's like one, step one, step two, step three. It's really not like that at all. It's like, okay, well, you could do step one, one A, one B, one C, like, and then like two Bs, two C. So it's like you're going to have a bank somewhere, a business somewhere. So it's <laughs> kind of like yeah. you have to kind of make it fit for you. You know, like the approach that you're using works for you, might not work for me. And I think that's why no one really yeah. talks about it because- you know, it does take upfront work. It takes research, it takes investment most of the time, but then the upfront investment pays itself, you know, immensely, obviously, because you're tax free.
0: Yeah. And I think, I also think there's a lot of stigma around people that go offshore. They right away think that, you know, you're doing something, you know, you're, you're not playing by the rules. Yeah. Like you think you're shady going offshore, but really like 65% of American hedge funds are offshore and nobody really wants to talk about that. But like, that's kind of where things are at. But yeah, I mean, it's so complex. Like if you look at, I was looking at St. Lucia and I wanted to create an investment company. So I looked at St. Lucia, they didn't have favorable terms for that. And then Panama did because they have a really good banking system. So it's, there's so many options. And I think step one is you don't necessarily need to get a residency somewhere but you can absolutely open up a bank account somewhere. Like, so what I did in Panama is I just hired a lawyer. It cost me $1,500. He registered a company. He introduced me to bank that would take a foreigner. And there's a lengthy process to make sure that all my money's kosher. Um, but I did it all virtual. Like I've never even been to Panama, right? So now I've got a company there, two bank accounts. Um, it takes a long time because they're so slow. But now I have the option of being like, if I, and prior to August, they change the rules and it's always changing. I could have went to Panama, put five grand into a business account or a personal account and I get my residency just like that. Five grand Whoa. and there's a lot of yeah, there's a That's lot of insane. uh like St. Lucio. Yeah, St. Lucio was similar. I think it was like fifty thousand, but there's loopholes, right? Like you can purchase real estate and if you get creative, like I did this in Tulum, you buy a hotel, right? But you do it because mortgages aren't popular in Latin America, you do a seller finance deal. So you negotiate the down payment and he becomes the lien holder and you pay him every month. And now you own a hotel with no mortgage. And now you like the lien holder is the previous owner. So now you can take that purchase agreement and go to the the immigration office and say, look, I just bought real estate. Even though it was a seller finance deal, it's still purchasing real estate for X amount and you can qualify for your, your residency and you can go that way too. But I would honestly just start with go there. Uh, open up a bank account, register a company, go to another one, open up a bank account, like could you have a couple of accounts in different places and see where you like the best. So you live somewhere that you love and then you do your business somewhere else. And eventually you end up like, I'm at the stage where I'm eliminating all ties with, with not Canada, because I do want to go back there. I don't want to give up my passport, but I do not want to pay tax in a country that I'm not living at. And if you live there for less than 183 days a year, it gives you a better likelihood that you can just, you know, get rid of your real estate, get rid of your lease, all this stuff. So that's kind of the phase I'm at. And to me, it's like ongoing. I'm like, where's next? Like, I want to have a couple, you know, (laughs) give me some passports, passports. baby. (laughs) Yeah. Options, options, you know? And I think that's important is to have options because look at the people in the U S they feel screwed right now because they're like, we can't leave because for tax reasons, I mean, I mean, not for health reasons, but they, they're just like, I don't like the environment and I don't know what to do. I have to pay tax no matter what because I'm a citizen. Like that just feels, you're in a box, 80. you know, I want to yeah. have options. Yeah, totally. for sure.
1: And uh, just for everyone listening, I want to mention one thing because, you know, obviously we've moved out of Canada, but there are ways to save tax by actually still living in Canada. So, you can set up a company offshore, have your business running through that, and then just pay yourself through the company, and then you get taxed yeah. on that amount as well. So you don't yeah. necessarily have to leave the country to get tax breaks, you know. There's ways to do it yeah. while still living in Canada. So definitely, like, people do their we definitely recommend doing your research – you know, there are people you can hire that can obviously help you with this as well. But if someone who's interested, they've, like, listened to this podcast and they're like, holy shit, I need to, like, look into this. Where would you advise to start? Like, where did you start? And who did you find the most, like, information from that was, you know, oh, God. effective? Um,
0: there's just such a wealth. Like, I, I, I would just do, I, I mean, what's that girl, I Found her on Instagram? Um here, I'll just try to look her up. She kind of got me onto the right path. Um, Wealthy. Tribe. I forget. She's... um. I used to follow her. Now I don't. So that's terrible. But, well, is she living um, in Bali?
1: Is she living in Bali?
0: She was all over the place. Yeah, I think she's from Australia. Um, What was her thing? It was like wealthy tax or something like this very similar to the Nomad Capitalist but I started with her uh, because she was sort of localized and obviously the Nomad Capitalist website I've been following Andrew Henderson stuff for like literally two years he's got some phenomenal stuff on there and then I just went local like I contacted lawyers in local jurisdictions and I said give me Mm. the details I'm a part of like 16 expat groups in countries that I have never been to just to kind of get like there's there's so much information um on those groups because everybody's kind of doing
1: what that's we're smart. doing and
0: um yeah so if you join some expat groups and just pop in a question saying like hey what do you guys do for tax or how did you move here how did you get started here and they'll send a contact and they'll send a contact and you know that's kind of how i built my my kind of network in colombia and in mexico um but yeah i would just that's that's the way that i would do it is just kind of start with a couple of people that you follow on social media uh nomad capitalist is a great one and then kind of go local like i even contacted lawyers and i said what's the process and they'll they'll give it to you straight and uh i'd rather hear it from you know the horse's mouth but i and yeah and it's simple but um like you said with the the canada thing that's how i did it too like i i would my company would pay me and i would just yeah and you can also write off more more uh expenses too so there's ways to, to not dive in where it's a scary, scary thing, right? Like this is going to be a couple years in the process, but there's ways that you can kind of dip your toe in for sure.
1: Totally. Well, thank you so much for this freaking wealth of knowledge. I have so many notes. <laughs> I'm like trying to take them with like one finger. So it went like <laughs> the typing wouldn't go to so the you typing it? Yeah. 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 But I'm like, oh my God, I have so much to like, I'm going to listen to this over and just like make even more notes And I just want to say, like, thank you so much. This was so helpful. I know it's going to open a lot of people's, like, eyes on, you know, what is possible for them, what they can achieve, and just, like, this different lifestyle that is so freaking cool and also just so, I want to say, like, futuristic, but that is just such a lame word. But you know what I mean? Yeah, I
0: just want want more people to just – do it like you know how many messages i get and i'm not even like a nomad like i pick a spot for a month and i go right but i get so many messages of people saying oh like you're living the dream and i'm like you can do it too like everything's remote right now even if it's not turn your contract into an independent contractor agreement and you have the ability to go do whatever you want like it's just possible and i think um it's yeah i just i wish i saw more people doing it i see a lot of people that just complain and you don't have to do that like you can the airports aren't closed, you know, like you can go do things you want, just be safe about it. And yeah, it's just, uh, but yeah, hopefully we see a lot of people kind of doing what we're doing. And I know a lot of people want to, so hopefully this helps.
1: Yes. No, it's going to be so, so helpful. Thank you so much. <laughs> if anyone wants to no, find thank you. you to fall on your journey, you know, maybe reach out to work with you in any capacity. Can you pimp yourself out?
0: Yeah, sure. Um, My Instagram is just it's Eric Klein, E-R-I-C-K-L-E-I-N. And then my company page is kleincap.co, which is also our website. So if you're accredited or something or if you're a company and you want to kind of adopt crypto or blockchain or if you just want to follow me, I take my dog literally 9000 miles and counting. So um, (laughs) he's all he's all over that. But yeah, thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Okay. Well, we're going to put that all in the show notes below so everyone can um, follow you and you have the cutest dog ever. I'm actually going to have to message you about how <laughs> you made your dog. Like, <laughs> I, I forget the word that you use, but so he can come. Like, An wonder- ESA. Yeah, ESA. It's
0: not
1: there's like a, he's a, a, a g- small dog. There's a guy like in Cali. It's a freaking Bernie's Mountain dog. I'm <laughs> like, what
0: is happening? Yeah, he's 100 pounds. But you know what? I've, had, I've literally traveled over 9,000 miles with him in the cabin, and I haven't had one complaint from anybody. So there's a guy in California, he's a doctor I can hook you up with and he just writes you a little letter. So if you ever need it, or if anybody ever needs it, I can also put, okay. put that down there. It's, it's no affiliate, but you it's got just the a good thing. <laughs> go to the,
1: yeah. go to the affiliate code to the ESA in Cali. <laughs> yeah.
0: Don't tell anybody though. Don't yeah. tell anybody.
1: We're not telling anyone, but that's amazing. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your podcast. time. I know it's bright and early there. And yeah, just thank you. No, it's just you so helpful, so exciting. And yeah, we'll chat soon.
0: Okay, thanks so much. Bye. Bye.
1: Hey, hey, hey. Before you go, would you love a free money hypnosis? You guys, this is what I listen to every single night to rewire my subconscious mind. So I can manifest the money that I desire. It is absolutely game changing. If you've heard me talk anything about subconscious mind. And anything along the realms of healing your subconscious mind. To help align you and attract money into your life. Hypnotherapy is the way. It actually heals and rewires your subconscious mind. To make it believe and truly allow it to believe that you deserve the money that you desire. So if you want this free money hypnosis, all you have to do is leave us a review, you know, honest review, how you're feeling about the show, take a screenshot right away and then send it to hello at marleyrose.ca and we will send you this free hypnosis. You guys, it's going to be absolutely game changing. It's how all my clients have manifested all of their massive goals in their business and in their life. Okay. Okay. Thanks so much, you guys. I hope it's a great tool for you to use and manifesting all the money that you desire. Lots of love. Mwah!